We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Paul Hamilton. That's what they called me in college. It's the bone. He has the facts to back up his opinions. People ask me, well, how are the Sabres going to win tonight? I don't have a clue. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Paul Hamilton's reports brought to you by Equitable Advisors, thinking about today and planning for tomorrow, and by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we've got this. Sabres out west, they open their road trip with a loss to the Kings, and Paul is on the Western Hotline. Good morning, Paul. Hey, guys. How are you? 5 2, Paul. How bad was it? Well, it was 10 minutes of the second period. I mean, uh, the Kings got their first goal at the nine-something mark of the second period, and uh, they finished their their four-goal outburst uh, about the 19-minute mark, give or take, somewhere in there. So it, it reminded me, it's been a while since they've been like this. It And it happened really against Calgary, too, where the beginning of last year when – they would give up a goal. Next thing you know, they'd give up three goals in three minutes. They would panic. And it would happen almost every time. It's like, oh, we make a mistake. Oh, no, well, we're in trouble, you know, type of thing. And I haven't seen that trade out of them in a long, long time. And that's what it appeared. You know, they were they were okay in the first period. The shots were 7-5. They were they were doing some things that weren't great. They were trying to, you know, well, the Kings were all lined up in the blue and they're trying to carry it through three guys and turning the puck over. But they really weren't giving up any real phenomenal scoring chances either despite doing that and turning the puck over. So, you know, they, they uh, it wasn't like the Kings had all sorts of great scoring chances or anything like that off it. So, all right, we are 0-0 at the end of the first period, nothing special. At least you calm down from the, the Calgary game, and maybe you might call it a pretty good road period. I mean, they were all right. And then, you know, you've played the first half of the second period, same same type of deal. Now I'm starting to think, boy, this is starting to look like the game in Buffalo where it was 0-0 at the end of 40 minutes, and, you know, then then the Sabres really turned it on in the third period. But, nope, all of a sudden they give up the shorthanded goal, and, and that really – you could see that coming from the beginning when they had the, the the power plays. They had their first three power plays. They didn't have a shot, hmm. and the Kings are really being aggressive on them. They're really coming at them like the Flames did, and not giving them any time at all to make any decisions on the power play. So they were trying to force things, and you 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 just could see it coming. And sure enough, uh, Oposo turns it over, kind of a blind back pass. And the Kings come down and score the shorthanded goal. Next thing you know, they got a power play goal. 
And next thing you know, they got four goals, and you're basically sitting there going, well, that's that. I mean, you know, that kind of ended it for them. So now you got to sit there and try to say to yourself, well, all right, let's at least try to salvage a period out of this thing. So you can maybe build on that and go into the Anaheim game on Wednesday. And I thought, you know, it's like, all right, now they're starting to get their game back a little bit. And, of course, Los Angeles is, has a four-goal lead. They're basically just trying to get the game into the garage. But still, I mean, at least you can now sit there and say, that's better hockey. That's the way we're supposed to play. You know, instead of trying to skate through, the, you know, five guys standing there, you know, get, just get the puck in behind them. If you put them in the right place, you, you're going to go get possession. And that's what they were doing. And then they were getting in on the forecheck, and they were getting pucks and people to the net. I mean, they almost got within two goals with about five, six minutes left uh, to go in, in the game. And, uh, you know, then anything could happen if, if you're able to get that, that goal, and they just missed that getting that goal. So and they did score a couple of goals, you know, to make it five to two. So, you know, all right, now you can at least say you, you, you shook out of it a little bit. As I said, it doesn't matter that the Kings are in, you know, let's just get out of here and get on to the next game mode. You still maybe got to your – they changed the lines back a little bit. That was the other thing, too. There was just zero chemistry with the new lines in, in two periods. I think he went with it too long. I mean, it was very obvious it just wasn't working at all. And I, I, I think he did go with it a little too long, and, and he did change back in the, in the third period, uh, at least for two of the lines. And uh, that, that was good to see. Maybe that was one of the reasons why they played better in the third period. The new lines, that's Thompson on the second line, basically? I mean, I know we don't number lines, but that's – Thompson moved. Yeah, especially especially uh, <laughs> the way they, they had those things, those lines put together. <laughs> Who knows what numbers they could have been lines nine, ten, eleven, and twelve. <laughs> but yeah, Thompson was uh, Cousins was centering uh, Tuck and uh, and Skinner. Uh, t- uh, Tom or uh, yeah, Tage Thompson was with Middlestat and um, I'm going by by memory here. I'm sorry. And uh, Oposo, right? Thank you. Yeah, yeah Middlestat and Oposo. So, I mean, they did. It was a drastic change. Something that. Don Granado hasn't done much of. He hasn't really had to. There was no reason to really switch up the lines all that much. Uh, I mean, you know, as as they went along. So it's not like Lindy Ruff or actually most coaches. Most coaches change lines quite a bit. And Lindy Ruff was really a guy who did a lot of that. Um, you know, Granado is pretty well settled on lines and stayed with them. After that Calgary game, I. I don't know. That's one of the things I like about Don Granati. He's willing to try things, and he tried it, and it didn't work. I just think he he waited too long with it. That's all. I I think he should have gone back to it before he actually did. Paul, you mentioned you know the Kings played a a similar way that Calgary did, like coming right at them. Are are we seeing a different way that the Sabers are being defended and or attacked, or you think it's just a couple of games where two teams kind of had a similar style? Yeah, and I was talking about the power play, basically the way they gotcha. came at them, and um, definitely it's a little different way. They don't they don't want to give them any time to get set up, and the Sabers they obliged. They got frustrated. They were trying to force plays, and you know, and Los Angeles would get the puck, throw it down, and 
as I said, the Buffalo's first three power plays, they didn't even get a shot on goal. And quite honestly, they didn't even come close. I mean, they, they were, if they did get set up, the Kings were on them so quickly. And, you know, they would turn it over and the Kings would send it down the other way. So that's something, that's a big thing that they got to work on because I think teams now are going to see that. So now they're going to get pressured probably by everybody. And they got to learn how to be able to handle that pressure, and I'm sure that's one thing they'll be addressing in practice today. They gave up two goals, the first and second goal, within three minutes of each other, then the third and fourth goal within 30 seconds. And the Calgary game was that too, right? It was just like one after the other after the other. Do, don't we feel like that's new, though? Like, is that a new phenomenon to you that they're just kind of getting run over in bunches here and it just feels like the sky is falling within like a three, four-minute stretch? It's new probably in the last year or so they did it almost every game for a while way back like in the beginning of last year where where they were having problems um you might even go back to the year before right before they went on that streak to end the year uh where where they where the you know where they did so well in in a thing in a bunch but yeah remember they used to do it all the time one goal would go in well uh-oh and they panic and then three minutes would go by and three goals are in or four goals are in. And, you know, that was the end of the game. And it's like, when are you guys going to get over this? You know, it's like one bad thing happens and it's like they can't handle it. It's like they, they get really so fragile. But it's been a long time. You're, you're absolutely right. It's been a really long time, over a year, since I've seen that really rear its ugly head. And they just... You know, in both games, I mean, you you had in four periods, you had two four goal periods against, mm-hmm. and one three goal period against, and then you had the first period the uh, yesterday where they didn't give up any. That all happened in four periods where you got outscored eleven to nothing. You know, you opened the score against scoring against Calgary, so you got the two goals, then you gave up twelve, and then you scored two goals. So, as I said, you got to go back a while, you know, as I said, maybe the beginning of last year to sit there and figure out when the Sabres gave up 12 straight goals in a couple of games. Paul Hamilton joining us on the Western Hotline. Paul, one thing that they could definitely improve in, and this is not just season or like this last couple of games, it is season long. You know, the power play betrays them for a little while. Okay, they've got a top five power play. They have a bottom five penalty kill. It's been a problem all year long. They gave up two power play goals last night. What about the penalty kill do you see that is missing something? What's the biggest problem they've got in that department? Yeah, part of it is um, it's just that they they seem to get running around at times, you know, when, when they get into their own zone, and that leaves open spaces. Teams realize that if you can get them moving, now you're going to get some open looks, and – they also it's it's an it's an awareness thing because when it was really bad when Samuelson and the whole group of defensemen were out, and they got Jost off waivers. One of the reasons they did was to help the penalty kill, and Samuelson got back and Yoki Haru got back, and it did seem to improve for a little bit, and then it's, it started going downhill again, and. You know, it hasn't helped where I've seen Samuelson a couple of times, like not realize there's a guy right on the doorstep behind him. And, you know, I've noticed that, that his play, one of the reasons, and I'm not blaming him at all, I mean, just say one of the reasons 
things have been going a little bit south defensively is he hasn't been quite as good recently either. Um, I don't know if it's his first 82-game season in the NHL, which is a thing. Sometimes, you know, rookies that are in their first NHL season just, you know, it's they when they get into these games, uh, it, it's it's a, they're trying to slog through a little bit. So I'm definitely not blaming him, but he, I don't think he's been playing quite as well as he has had earlier in the season. But uh, a lot of it, you, you know, you got to get a big save. Sometimes they're not getting a big save, but other times they're just allowing guys to to get to the net. They're not covering them. They don't realize a defenseman is coming down the slot. It's like, uh uh-oh, where did he come from, you know, type of a thing. So uh, a lot of it is just uh, awareness of passing lanes, not taking the right passing lanes away, and just allowing those things to, to happen where, some of those goals are just, you know, tic-tac-toe and you get tap-ins into the net. Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline. All right, Paul, they're they're drifting a bit. They're not out of a playoff race yet. The teams behind them are getting closer and the playoff teams are getting further away. They've, they've had a couple of stretches like this, right? The eight-game mm-hmm. losing streak. And they've had their troubles at home. I guess the question is, how important is it for them to respond and, and stay in this thing? You know, one of the scenarios that could happen is, they continue to drift, and they don't finish close to a playoff spot. I'm sure they'd still be happy with growth of the of the young players and locking up the core. But what will the message be, I guess, from them on the importance of the next month and a half? It's very important uh, to to stay, and that's the thing. It's not a panic time. I've I've been saying this the whole since the eight game losing streak. It's it's really tough when you got at the time. I believe there were nine points out with five teams ahead of them, and that's the problem. You, you've got to count on too many teams to consistently just kind of go in the tank for you, and you have to, like, keep going. And they had that great stretch, which got them back into it, and they got to within a point of the playoff spot. And if you went by points percentage, they were in the playoff spot. And, you know, they had done a great job, but – this is this is hockey. This is 82 games. You're not going to play 82 perfect games. And you knew that this was going to come too where all right, they have a little bit of trouble now. Now they've lost, you know, gone 0 3 and 1. Only picked up one point in their last four games. The Detroit Red Wings are red hot. I mean, there it was about a week ago you look back at the Detroit Red Wings, you weren't even thinking about them. Here they are. You know, so that's the thing. Everybody's not going to tank on you. So you know, where they just keep going backwards and backwards and you just keep going forwards, and that's the problem. It's a ebb and flow. You, you spend all this energy to get up there, and you're there, and you got games in hand. And the games in hand are fine, but you got to win those games in hand, and that's not that's not easy. And now, okay, you've had a little bit of a slip, so now you go down a little bit, and you didn't play a lot of games for a while. You had your bye, and other teams were playing because they already had their bye. Now they're taking advantage of it, and they've come up on you. So, and and it'll switch back. You know, when the Sabers will get hot again, and they'll now they'll they'll be getting their points, and you know they'll start a a, a trend up. But one thing I, I can tell you, if this home record doesn't start getting better, I just don't think they have any chance. They 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 have to start playing better home. They can't keep giving away home games 
uh, and in points in home games and expect to be in the playoffs. That that's the one thing they have to figure out. And finally, Paul, not sure if you had a chance to see the whole game or highlights. Thoughts on Devin Levi? He had the uh, shootout win in the bean pot. Had a huge save at the end of overtime in the three on three. He is um, he's a fun goalie to watch. I'm going to go far, so far as to say that Joe pointed out he he looks small because he's not one of these giant goalies, but he's quick. And I also think he plays with some attitude out there, which is always fun. Huge upset wins, and the reason Northeastern won those two games in the Beanpot was because of him. They take out the number three team in the country and the number nine team in the country. And he just had great games, and as you said, he has an attitude. It's like, you're not scoring on me. I, You know, in the back of his mind, he knows that they don't have the better team. But when you have a goaltender who just slams the door and frustrates the other team, uh, you know, and then he gets into the shootout, and again, it just frustrates the other team. And you could just see how how just ecstatic he was. I mean, here Northeastern and Harvard in the final of the Beanpot, this Beanpot's been going on since 1952, and it's never happened. How with four teams has it never happened? It's just four teams. But uh, Boston University and Boston College are so good, they're they're always dominating the thing, and they're in it some way, shape, or form. One of the two or both are in it. But it's just amazing to me that just by fluke, those two teams had never faced each other in the finals until this year. And uh, but a lot of it was because of Devin Levi and and how well he was playing in goal for them. Why they won those two games and won the Beanpot. Sabers next up. Anaheim Wednesday. Thanks, Paul. Take care, guys. Paul Hamilton stayed up late and watched that game, so you didn't have to, or if you did anyway, that's okay. Paul's report is brought to you by Equitable Advisors. Thinking about today and planning for tomorrow, and by Raylax Honda. Raylax, we got this at 8 o'clock. We'll talk to Marty Baron a little bit about Devin Levi and the Sabres and the deadline, all that as well. When we get back, I want to talk about NFL, NFL officiating and the controversy. I thought you laid it out pretty nicely yesterday, Joe, that it was really controversial in the moment, and then it Everybody calm down a little bit mm. about that holding call. It still is um, rippling around the sports world, so I get into all the problems that uh, the conversation about that holding call bring up. 803-0550 to join us here on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. 
Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Um, and so even if something is a legitimate call, which I think it is at the end of the game, it's still the main part of the conversation. Um, I saw the grab by the back of the jersey, and, you know, it's a, in what they are taught, it is a clear hold. Mike Pereira on the Rich Eisen Show. All right, I'm ready. I got a take. You tell me if it's too hot of a take, Joe. Okay. Jeremy White, Jody Biasi. Here's the t- here's the take. Then I got Kyle Oposo's take on. I saw it. on this. I did see Kyle Oposo's opinion. Lance Lysowski asked Oposo yeah. about, "Hey, a call late in a game, like Game Seven of a Stanley Cup, where it is a penalty, but it's a little ticky tack." Yeah. Go ahead and get to that first, because sure. So he said. This is courtesy of Lance Lysowski, Buffalo News. I'll read the whole quote. I think that if you're trying to compare as close to apples to apples as you can, you're thinking, okay, Game 7, Stanley Cup Final, last minute, and a bit of a ticky-tack hold, one that you might call in the regular season, you might not. They're not calling that penalty, nor would we want them to. It's just a matter of fact. Everybody can complain as much as they want how penalties don't get called in the playoffs, but they call enough. I don't think any player in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Final would want that call. Okay. Hockey, That's Kyle Post. Hockey, of course, is the sport for ignoring penalties. Right, because it's it's an action. The playoffs like, have different right. rules. We, and we all know it. Yep. Football, basketball, baseball. Hockey's the worst. Hockey's the only one, I think, where you know definitively they change it. We'd go all the way and say they do not call penalties in the playoffs. Yep. In the third period, especially in overtime. Okay. That's fair. I, I understand that. I it it this point's made a lot. If the official says I don't want to impact the game by doing that, you're impacting the game. Like you've decided right, you're right. impacting the game. So here's my take on this, and I, I just kind of arrived at it as I heard Mike Pereira talking to Dan Patrick there. Dan Patrick, you said right, Evan, the Dan Patrick show, Rich Rich Eisen, Rich Eisen, Rich Eisen sorry, on the Rich Eisen. So Mike Pereira there on Rich Eisen show. You know, part of the problem here, part of the problem is. We relentless. We are bombarded. It is nonstop. You can't watch a game without hearing Mike Pereira or <laughs> the Gene, very man we just heard from, or Gene Steratore. Yes, every single play, almost the conversation is relentlessly about officiating. Now, third man in the booth. Hey, it's Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, and with us is oh great, okay Terry McCauley, awesome. Oh, all right, here's yeah. Greg. I've got Mike Pereira. I've got G- Nance and Romo. Owen, oh, hey, Gene, what'd you see on this play? Yeah, you can't get away from officiating. They've made it the they've made it as big a part of the game as really anything else. It's part of the presentation now. And with that, I don't know, Joe. Is there a a heightened expectation of perfection? Sky Judge allows you to change calls in the moment. It's almost as if all these advancements for the NFL. And for other leagues to to get things right, VAR, yeah. right? VAR, offside challenge. You're going to tell me that Kyle Oposa would not want a penalty called there, but would you want the offside called on an offside challenge? You'd ooh, right. Okay, if it's that, you could even say that's ticky tacky. Like, that's it's the close. thing. Yeah. With offside challenges and with an offside, you wouldn't say it's ticky tack. You'd say, well, that's offside. 
right. by the letter of the law, that's offside. Well, so, how come? How come he, when it right. gets to holds and when it gets to a, a slash or if it gets to rerouting a receiver like that, that's ticky tack. But if I get a play that's offside by a guy's elbow in soccer, or if it's a skate blade was up in the air, that one is so cut and dry. We're okay with those ticky tacks because you got to get it right. But we're not okay when an official makes a proper call in a big moment. Right. It's Are they the rules or are they not the rules? And we decided which ones are black and white and which ones are subjective. I feel like the NFL, a lot more than the NHL at least, is, okay, they're all black and white. And we're going we're to call them by the letter of the law, except for holding, because that seems to happen on every single play, which is the penalty at dispute here uh, from the Super Bowl. So I I think also the, the, the referees in the booth, do we think the league is doing that? Like, why are they in the booth? Is this coming from the networks that Gene Steratore is up there? Or does the league want... Officials in there? Get fans off our back. We'll give them some clarity by putting a guy in there to help explain it. But even that, here's the Super Bowl, and Mike Pereira on one replay is flat out saying he does not know what they're going to call. Right. right so know. what's the value of him being up what there What is the place? value? Yeah. We are constantly bombarded with officiating conversations with the head of officiating. Sometimes he'll get it wrong. Sometimes he'll say, here's the rule. I think they'll overturn it. Then you watch the game and they uphold the call. And... You kind of have this idea that it's going to be perfect. Roger Goodell said the state of the game's officiating is better than ever, and people flipped out as if that was absurd. I defended the opinion because I think it's probably right when it comes to review processes and sky judge and all the things that are in place to make it as close to perfect as possible. It's going to be imperfect. And I guess the thing I get to is, what do you want? Well, if they're going to call that holding, they got to call it all game. All game. If they called it all game, you complain that the officials made the game about themselves. There were 12 holding penalties called in the game. That would be a disaster. So you're saying you're okay with the inconsistency then? It's not inconsistent. But if they're calling, if that penalty that James Bradbury gets called for in the fourth quarter was not getting called in the second quarter. I'm not even saying that that's not okay. That you would call it in that spot, but you didn't call it earlier. Well, is it a decision where where the official says... Sees it in the second quarter, sees the penalty, and says, I'm not going to call it. Or does the official just not see it? That's probably... I mean, every time this is talked about, it's like, well, I want the consistency. Are the officials making decisions on a scale of 0 to 100? Again, we'll make it like a video game. Does he have an individual slider that day where he says, today I'm going to call 30% of those holds. And Mm. then the next week he's just in a holding mood and he's going to call 70%? Or is it more likely... The official didn't see the one in the second quarter. Okay, so then if I if I put numbers in front of you of how like one crew calls forty percent more penalties than another crew, are we thinking that's because that person's slider is higher than the others, or is it that that crew is just better at seeing it? They could be better at seeing it. They could be focusing on it because there's a league memo that week. Uh-huh. The head coach could have gotten in the official's ear. Or the the linesman's ear, they're looking for it. And we know a lot of these things that are baked into it. You're more likely to get a call on your own sideline right. versus the other team's sideline. When it comes to a roughing call, you know, the team reacts, the flag comes out. There are different rules for different quarterbacks. We know that. The Brady rules versus the Cam Newton doesn't get the call when he gets hit. An official flat out said that to him once. Yeah. You don't get that call. Yeah. So there's subjectivity built in. And yet, 
you've got these guys in the booth, I do think it's a problem. Acting like everything is so obviously easily called. Every broadcast. What do you think, Mike? This is going to be this. And it's just an opinion. But it's presented as, well, former head of officiating says X, Y, Z. In those moments, those, those guys are subject to a million things, including not seeing 25 replays in the exact moment. And then... It's ruling on the field has to be overturned. Have to you know sufficient evidence to overturn it. Right. I'm just glad that I feel like we have arrived two days later at that penalty is not the whole story of the Super Bowl. Right. Yes. It's it's not the whole story. Like everyone did calm down within the 12 hours between the end of the game and the morning after. A lot of really what you wanted from Mike Pereira there is what everybody did on social media and on ESPN the next 12 hours. Talking about how it is a penalty, and that uh, Pereira, I guess, was more talking about whether or not they'd actually call it, right? Or whether or not they should have, whatever Pereira did. The next 12 hours was, hey, he kind of turns his hip around here Mm -hmm. so that he can catch up. Like, you can't do that. Like, a lot of good descriptions about why that is technically a penalty that I never heard from Mike Pereira in that moment. Or Greg Olson. I know that's not Olson's job as much as it is Pereira's, but yeah, if he's going to be in the booth... Can I get him to explain why that is a penalty the same way 50 other people did immediately after the game was over? It's about what you want. What does everybody want here? You want officiating to never be a topic. That's really what it is. You want to in in that yeah. game, that game didn't feature a lot of penalties. So it felt like it was going along beautifully because if there are no flags in a game, it feels free and loose and like they're just letting them play. Now, sometimes letting them play means they're not committing any penalties. Other times it means they're just not calling them. But yeah. so you just let them play. And well, the, the game before, the Joseph Osai, the Bengals linebacker, right. hits Mahomes out of bounds. Did fans want them to just let him play there? Right. Like that because that same thing as Kyle Oposo's comment. NHL officials play like that. They're not calling it. It's a great point. They're not calling it. But. The reaction to that wasn't about the officiating. Was wow, can you believe what this dummy did? Right. What if that official had not called that that roughing the passer and he, said, "I didn't want to have too big of an impact on the game." He probably would have gotten away with it. <laughs> Don't you think? I would it be would it have been a hot top? No, maybe it wouldn't have. I mean, I told it was you pretty blatant. I told you, although Mahomes sold it. I told you, I thought it was a sell yeah. job by Mahomes, right? Big time. He got that sold. A penalty got the Chiefs to the Super Bowl, right? A penalty got the Chiefs to the Super Bowl and then won it for them. And that's not even saying officials handed them the game. It was, like, that's baked into, uh, when you look at luck charts, like fumble luck and, like, timeout stuff and whatnot, is one of those columns uh, penalties by the other team? Because that's a little bit of luck on the Chiefs' side that Joseph Osai just decided he was going to hit Mahomes, make contact out of bounds, and that James Bradbury decided to grab Juju Smith-Schuster's hip when the ball was probably going to be incomplete anyway. Like, they did get a little lucky twice, yep. both to make the Super Bowl and to win the Super Bowl. Because otherwise, the Eagles were getting the football back with a minute 20 to go. Down three, probably, right? Down three. They would have kicked a field goal. Right? It was fourth and three? They probably would have kicked. That coach would have kicked. I think Sirianni would have kicked, too. I'd be more confident that Reed would kick, though, than Sirianni. I don't think... As much as fourth down stuff is right there, I don't think any coach is willing to chance giving the ball back to these two offenses, which were both going up and down the field, 
if I don't get this, it's tied and they'll have the last possession. Uh huh. I don't think any coach would have signed up for it. Not a single one. Not, nope. Well, Brandon Staley, he's definitely not doing it. Uh, nope. You tell I me. I want my I, coach to. I can go up three inside two minutes in the Super Bowl and trust the defense. I, in that scenario, worst case, I'm thinking as my as a head coach. Okay, maybe they drive and they get a tying field goal. They're not going to beat me here. I'm not getting. I'm not giving up a touchdown in a minute and ten seconds. Or it is one nineteen. Although, isn't that in? Shouldn't the Chiefs know better than anybody? They gave up a touchdown to Allen in last year's playoff game in less than a minute and ten seconds, didn't they? Yes, but they didn't settle for a field goal in the spot. They got a touchdown to take the lead, and then it was tied. Right, but they should know how quickly teams can score. Right, better than anybody. I just don't think any coach there would have kicked. Would have. I'm sorry. Would have gone for it. For, fourth and. Fourth and one, maybe, with a rugby-style push of your quarterback. But fourth and three? Or no, it was eight. It was third and eight. So it would have been fourth and eight. Okay. Right? Fourth and eight. Okay, definitely not. From the 15. Even if it's fourth and three from the 15, I don't think anybody goes for it. What if it's fourth and one? What if the Eagles with their their two, three-man QB sneak scrum? They might go for it on that. But fourth and three? I bet Sirianni kicks, too. He punted on a fourth and two. When they were losing. He did, he did punt on a fourth and two. Fourth down decision. Oh, they never got to the fourth down. Well, it wasn't fourth and three anyway. It was fourth and eight. Would have been. It would was, have been it fourth, was fourth and eight. eight. 803-0550 to join us. You're tweeting out famous Buffalo couples. Yes, in, on Valentine's in, Day. In celebration of Valentine's Day. Yeah. I was having trouble with the fifth one, and then immediately someone's right there with Fitz and Stevie Johnson. Like, ah. Oh. That would have been good. Now, what I'm going for, though, here is you cannot mention one without the other. Okay, you can't mention one without the other. Like, when you when one of them gets mentioned, the other one pops right into your mind. Like, they're 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 a tandem. Doug Marone and punts. <laughs> that, um, that would be another good list. Rex and Rob Ryan. Yep. We go, oh, yeah. There, there's a... Can I put one that'll make people mad out there? of Rex and Rob Ryan and the picture of them fighting that guy at the bar the one time. Uh... Jack Eichel and Sam Reinhardt on the tandem bicycle. Yeah. Um, what else? Are there any other couples that famous, people d- wouldn't be happy with right now? Famous Buffalo tandems. Yes. To celebrate on Valentine's Day. I mean, you had Brewery, Dr- Ralph, Drury and Briere. Someone just tweeted, Ralph Kruger and losing. I like that one. It's <laughs> pretty good. Ralph, just, Kruger, Ralph Kruger and principles. And, oh, that's the one. Ralph Kruger and principles. That's that's number one. Uh, and, Did you and say Kelly and Thurman? Kel- yeah, but you can mention Kelly without Thurman, right? Or Ke- more so Kelly and Reed, I guess. Anquan Bolden, Vontae Davis is a good one from John <laughs> who just tweeted. And I'm kind of liking the funny ones more than my actual top five. Yeah, there's a lot of funny ones. A lot of potential. Yeah. Let me think of some more here. My top five, by the way. So my number one... No, not going for a joke or anything here. Just like the the all time Buffalo sports couples, got to be Hyde and Boyer. You cannot mention one without the other, right? Yeah, Hyde and Boyer. Number two for me was Henrik Talinder and Tony Ludman. I feel like they played together for five years together, right? Yep. Good teams. Yep. Spiller and Jackson. Okay. Not as much on that I, one. I, I don't feel like that's a top five. Really? Okay. When, yeah. When I, I mean Fred Jackson. In that case, would have had three spots on this, <laughs> right? Fred and Marshawn, Fred and Spiller. But him and Spiller was the the well, the one that worked the most when they've been together the longest too. Yeah, but when Fred got the ball, we got mad. 
fair, right? It was Fred's turn. It was Fred's turn. It was Fred's turn. CJ ran for six yards a clip that year. Yeah. Drury, okay. Drury and Briere. That's a good one. Drury and Briere. And then number five, just a shout for Matt Bovey, Ennis and Weber, because that's always the uh, the Sabre trade one. <laughs> right. Uh, Spikes and Fletcher, Clements and Winfield, Zitnik and Schmelik mentioned for this. That's a good one. LaFontaine McGillney. There's some throwback ones that people are tweeting in as well. All-time Buffalo sports couples. All-time tandems. I'm trying to think of more jokes. Me and this new chair that I brought in today. I've got a new. Er- you are obsessed with this. I've chair. got a new ergonomic kneeling chair that I'm sitting in today. I've got to be honest; it does not look like it's comfortable. You know what it is? I think. But it it, is. you're you're saying it is I repeatedly, think it, so it has to be. I think it's working for me. Like, there's no back to it. There's no back. You kind of lean forward and you put your knees on these. It's, an, it's it's a kneeling chair. It was. You know, sold to me through my phone, like everything is sold to me. Yeah. As uh, this will be more comfortable to sit in the office for several hours, and I thought I'll give it a try. And so far, I'm saying yes. Me, you're in, and this chair, famous or very excellent Buffalo tandems. You will leave the chair, the chair here. The chair will stay in this studio, and you would be very confident in thinking that nobody else is going to use that. Well, correct? I don't mind if anybody uses it. Yeah. The question is, will it get stolen out of the studio? <laughs> Now, the good news is, uh-huh. this is not like, you know, if you work in an office where things get stolen, if you bring in a salad and somebody eats it, yeah, or any sort of food and somebody eats it, you can't find the salad. It's been... It's go- no, it's gone. It's gone. All the evidence has been Evidence is of. destroyed. If you had a pair of headphones in here and you liked them and somebody walked out with them, you couldn't exactly find the person that had them unless you caught them in the act because you right. can you can hide headphones in a bag. This chair, somebody steals this chair. They have to walk out of the building with they it. They do. And let yeah. me tell you, walking into the building with it was awkward. They yeah. have to walk out of the building with it. Or if I find it in any other room, and it's definitely the only one of these that's in this entire building. Oh, for sure. This It will stand out for sure. Yeah. So you'd immediately identify yourself as the person that stole the chair out of the WGR studio. Right. And you, if you asked around... Someone, there would probably be an eyewitness of, oh, there was a chair just like that that uh, Greg was walking out <laughs> I, with the I, other day. I could also, in large marker, just obnoxiously write my name on it and yeah. WGR Studio, and, you know, I just don't think anybody would take it out of here. I think you should have trust that nobody's going to take it out of there. Just on the, just only that seeing it anywhere else would be, you stole that. I think you're also going to be the only one that uses it. No, no way. You don't think anyone else... I think you might use it during the Extra Point Show. Mm. Sal usually sits... Well, it depends if Sal's here or not. I think both of you are going to try it. You're going to want to try it. I might want to try it. I don't know that I'm going to want to do it. I mean, it is your chair that you brought in. Look at this. But I'm so ergonomic over here. You're so jealous of my ergonomicnicity. I'm young. I don't need ergonomic yet. Ergonomicness. You just said you were... Although I did just have a back injury like a week ago. (laughs) Yeah. All right, eight hundred three hundred five fifty. We'll talk to Marty top of the hour about Devin Levi uh, officiating on the table, of course, too here on WGR. Does this mean Evan? We can count on a Valentine's Day mixtape the rest of the show. Yes. <laughs> He played Foreigner. The all-time my, love songs. My first reaction was, are we giving away Foreigner tickets? I also thought that. I'm like, oh, wait, I don't have anything up for that. But that's great. Then I'm like, wait, no, Dave Matthews Band. Later. Yeah. This is not Dave Matthews Band. Foreigner. 
Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Do you? And this is where someone says like it was invented. The, it was invented by Hallmark. Valentine's Day. Yeah. Oh, we, well, then you can do that with any holiday. Can't you, you could. Then there's Sweetest Day, which. When is that? I don't really know what that I, is. I always hear it talked about. Yeah, that one to me seems like it was invented. Like that, I would. I'm googling it right now, and I'm not even spelling it right. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It says October 21st. That's okay. what Sweetest Day is. So we got time to figure out what it is. <laughs> in parts of northeastern United States, in Arizona, Florida, and the on the third Saturday in October. Yeah. Okay. The Northeast, California, Arizona. Okay. It's odd. Not, not real. Today's Valentine's Day, though. Happy uh, Valentine's Day. Joe's doing famous Buffalo tandems that go together. You can't name one without the other. Yep. <laughs> Some D- of these- Diggs and Allen. Someone's mad Diggs and Allen haven't, hasn't made this list. Can they be... They do appear on signs together. They do. There is a Diggs Allen 2020 sign on your street, probably. Like, that's... Sure. That's a good one. Pictures of them hugging from the Lions game you'll see on Twitter a lot. Maybe. They're not, like, In, something about not, it, though. They're not inseparable? They're not inseparable. Right. Like, we'll, we, like could, we could talk about Allen for 30 minutes and Diggs' name might not come up. Hyde and Poyer was your best example of inseparable. Until this year, when... Hyde got hurt. Right. But if you, if you ever talk about them for the rest of your life, it's going to be together. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I think like that's really that's really what you're going for here, I think. Um, this is Montana Rice. This is... Sure. Uh, Brady Gronk. Brady Gronk. Yeah, yep. right? That does, doesn't have to be there? Yep. Manning. Does Manning have one? I mean, is Mahomes Kelsey right here? Should be. I mean, I guess you're not... Tyree Kill called it. During the Super Bowl, the greatest combo in football history. Yeah. And I guess there's a little bit of a difference here. If you say you can't say one without the other versus, you know, two together had great success. Because Mahomes will be mentioned with lots of people over the course of his career. Sure. Yeah. Flutie and Rob Johnson is a good one for Mike. (laughs) Flutie and Johnson. That's right. You can't really really mention one without the other. It's a different thing you're going for there, but I like it. Marty Braun, when we return, we'll talk a little bit about the Sabres and their latest loss, and also Devin Levi, who, uh, goaltending prospect, future Sabres goalie, we hope he would, of course, have to sign. And, you know, something to chart in the offseason. Anyway, Marty Braun joins us next. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. 
Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.